Welcome to the Optimal Body Podcast. I'm Doc Jen. And I'm Dr. Dom. And we are doctors of physical therapy, bringing you the body tips and PT pearls to help you begin to understand your body, relieve your pains and restrictions, and answer your questions. Along with expert guests, our goal of the Optimal Body Podcast is to help you discover what optimal means within your own body. Let's dive in. Hey, it's Doc Jen, and I just want to drop in a quick reminder that if you have not gotten into the Optimal Body at 33% off, now is the time. It ends Friday, so so soon. We only have this one week of this massive discount for my birthday. This is my gift to you because what truly fills me up and makes me happy is seeing people open up and discover what's possible within their body. You do not have to feel pain all the time. You do not have to feel these aches and imbalances. There's a way to access your body and it takes time and it takes learning, but it takes consistency. This is such an incredible group of movers that we have. I am so honored to be able to drop in every Sunday into our private Facebook group and answer so many incredible questions and just help guide you. That is what I want to do. That's what I'm here for. So everything you hear us talk about in these episodes, they're in the program. I'm there to really instruct you, to guide you, to help you back into your body. We've gotten incredible feedback from people who've seen other PTs or chiros and it just hasn't worked. This is your way of getting back into your body and feeling something different. It takes work. It takes consistency. It takes time. But trust the process. Allow me to guide you and come in with us. No code necessary. Just check out DocGenFit.com slash The Optimal Body and get in for the yearly price at a 33% discount. See you there. All right, Matt, so excited for you to be on, especially just because of what we were just talking about before we came on. I think understanding relationships, especially in the time that we're in, is so incredibly interesting and something that a lot of people want to be able to understand better within themselves and just in partnership in general. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, what's interesting is there's, I think, an expectation that we place on ourselves that we should naturally be good at relationships. Mm. Like we should naturally know how to do these things and we can criticize ourselves or feel bad when we don't know how to do relationships. And it's relationships are a skill. It's like anything else. We'll go to school to learn how to become an engineer or go to school to learn how to become a fitness instructor or go to school. There's all these skills and things that we need to learn how to do. And relationships are really no different. The, most people, the way we learn relationships is watch mom and dad or watch older brother and sister or try what our friends are doing. And it's just trial and error. And, uh, <laughs> and that was, I don't know if I've told you this story, Jen, this is, that, that's what happened for me. What got me into this was what I wanted most was to find the love of my life. Mm-hmm. And it was like, the harder I tried at that, the further it seemed to get away from me. Like I went through so many crash and burn relationships, felt like my heart just got steamrolled. And so I finally decided I'm going to figure this out. I'm going to solve this. I'm going to learn how to be in a good relationship. And so I went to this um, week long retreat, like this personal development retreat. And uh, there were a hundred people there, 50 men, 50 women. And on day four, I'm sitting in this row of chairs. And all 50 men were all sitting shoulder to shoulder in these chairs and all the women are lined up in front of us. And the facilitator goes, all right, you guys, we're going to play a game and it's called the Island game. And here's the game. Ladies, if the man in front of you was the last man on the planet to choose from, would you want him stranded with you on a deserted Island or would you rather be by yourself? Mm. You're going to vote on each of these guys. And all you have to say is yes or no. I don't want any explanation from you. Just say, look him in the eyes, say yes or no. Gentlemen, you each have a clipboard in your hand. Your job is just to keep tally of the yeses and no votes that you get. Wow. (laughs) The women look around like, are you kidding me? You know, talk about confrontational, you know? Um, So the women all went down and they voted their yeses and their noes and we tallied them up. And then the facilitator says, all right. Guys, I want you to stand up and order yourself from the man who has the most yeses to the right down to the man who has the most noes to the left. And so this is like where the rubber meets the road. Like we're going to put on display for everybody, like where, where we are in terms of value for the group. Right. And so we all start comparing our numbers. And when I 
took finally found my spot in line, Jen, I was second to last with Ooh. the most no's. Ooh. Wow. I it was painful. I was embarrassed. I was felt ashamed of my spot in line. And I'm looking down this long line of guys who all got more yes votes than me. And I'm thinking, I probably shouldn't have been thinking this at the time, but I was like, that guy? <laughs> like, how, how'd that guy get more? more yes? <laughs> you know, we're like comparing. And, and so I was just, I was just shocked. And yet, interestingly enough, my spot in line was a perfect reflection mm-hmm. of my real life, of like what my love life had been like. And so at the same time, while I was shocked, I was also grateful because I was there to get answers and I was there to get some real good reflection and to find out what was going on. And, and, um, the facilitator said, is there anyone here who's surprised by where they're standing? And so I very embarrassed, I raised my hand and, and she goes, oh, good, Matt, ladies, anyone here willing to be brave enough to give Matt the gift of feedback? of why they voted no on him. And all these hands shot up in the room and they they all wanted to give me their feedback. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Wow. There's that great phrase. I don't know if you, if you uh, agree with this, Jen, but Ken Blanchard says feedback is the breakfast of champions. It's like, are we willing to really take a good look at ourselves? Yep. The, the place where change really begins is when we get honest with what is. Yeah. Not in a condemning way or a self-critical way, but just an honest way. Like if you want to improve your health, it's like, well, let me take. There are people who won't even get on the scale. Mm-hmm. They don't want to know where they are. They don't want to know where they start, and or they they're not willing to take a health assessment of whatever that is, you know. And so this was my moment for a love life assessment, you know. Mm-hmm. So all these women. Um, shared basically the same thing. And that is they felt like they couldn't connect to the real me. Mm. And it was so powerful for me to hear that because at that point in my life, while what I wanted the most was connection, I like ached for connection. And the way that I went about trying to get connection was to put on this looking good program. Like I've got it all together. I don't have any flaws. When really underneath that, I was really self-critical of my flaws, wouldn't accept my flaws and was so critical. Some of the women said, I just feel this critical energy from you. And while I wasn't outwardly, in my mind, judgmental or critical of anyone else, I was deeply critical of myself. I had not learned how to love or accept myself. And so that night I was laying in my bed and just the tears streaming down my face of this realization that, wow, like this is, this is what I came to both learn to discover for myself is how do I love myself and how do I really love others? And, um, and so I made a decision in that moment that I was going to learn that for myself and be able to share it with others. And that set me on, um, really changed the trajectory of my life. And, um, I've dedicated the last 12 years of my life, um, is when my book came out and, uh, that sent me on a journey to interview America's greatest marriages, interviewing, I drove 12,000 miles around the United States, interviewing hundreds and hundreds of couples who have all been married over 40 years. And, and they taught me amazing things about love. And at the same time, I learned that, well, that generation grew up at a different time than we're growing up and yeah. how we interact with one another and masculine and feminine energy is so different today that so then I deep dove and studied all of that. And, and so really my life's purpose and mission is increasing love in the world one heart at a time. And the place it begins is in ourselves. The place it begins is really loving and accepting ourselves. Because what I've come to learn is that is what people want in the most deepest, purest way, is mm-hmm. to feel loved and accepted for who they are. And we can't give that to anyone unless we first give it to ourselves. Mm-hmm. Wow. So are we done? I think we can stop the interview right there. I know, right? That was, I mean, (laughs) that was absolutely incredible. And thank you for sharing that story. I mean, you dove right into what we generally ask people first, which is what drives them and what is their purpose in what they're doing. And I love that it started with yourself. And really, as you spoke, as I'm sure a lot of people listening might be like, wow, I resonate with that. I resonate with that now, or I have resonated with that in the past. 
I know that I made uh, some huge decisions in my life to really focus on where I needed to grow. And that was miraculously just before I met Jen. So it, it always, you know, it seems like when you start searching for that growth inside, uh, the rest kind of takes care of itself. And so I, I love that that's where you started. Um, I want to dive a little deeper into one thing that you just said. When, towards the end there, you kind of mentioned this masculine and feminine energy. And I know that that can be brought up a lot and that that can be kind of these buzz phrases. Oh, masculine, feminine. Can you kind of dive in a little more as to what that means in today's society? Yeah, absolutely. And it's, and it's often very, no pun intended, polarizing topic mm-hmm. Yeah, because what the, the, some people are very adverse to this. They don't want to talk about masculine or feminine energy. They don't want to, they don't want to go there. And, and yet it's real and it exists. And if we don't uh, learn about it, learn how to navigate it, then it becomes a, a block. And that was, what, that was a big part of what was going on for me. There were two major ahas, major insights that I had. One was on the self-awareness and so, or the self-acceptance. And so when I learned how to love and accept myself in a deeper way, I could literally feel, as you just said, I could feel my heart open in a way that had never really been open before. I had shut it down with my parents' divorce and was just deathly afraid of, of getting com- rejected and, and crushed. And yet that's what I was constantly attracting and then experiencing. So I felt my heart open in a brand new way where I could really accept someone into my life. And I felt my ability to love go deeper. So then it became, okay, now I'm navigating how to both attract a relationship and be in the relationship. And I learned very quickly that I was attracting masculine women, women, and we'll, we'll unpack some of the attributes. What is masculine? What is feminine? But the type of women, let me just say it this way. The type of women I was attracting, um, after a few weeks into dating, we were butting heads. We were having conflict. The attraction was dissipating. And so there's no right or wrong. It's not masculine is not male or female, both men and women. We can operate with masculine energy. Feminine is not male or female. Both men, women, we can operate with feminine energy. And I came to realize I learned how to date by watching my older sister because mm. she was two and a half years older than me. She's amazing and beautiful and had all kinds of men like wanting to date her. And she was very selective and she's had all this success. I was like, well, what she's doing looks good to me. So I've embody this very feminine approach to dating and without even realizing or being conscious of it, I would attract masculine women, women who were very much in their... So let's unpack what what this is for a moment because this will help describe. Because even though I'm a very masculine guy, I I learned how to draw from the feminine energy in the early parts of dating. It wasn't until I learned how to step more into my masculine that I attracted my wife. Mm. And we are an amazing match for one another. This will be our 10th year being married. And, um, and so think about masculine and feminine like a scale. It's, it's, they're like, imagine if masculine's on one end of the scale, feminine's on the other end of the scale, and there's a whole scale through which you can move and be. Well, those energies are polar energies, meaning they attract one another. So the feminine attracts masculine, masculine attracts feminine, and what we're, what we're not talking about here is roles, because I think what becomes very scary, especially for women to hear and, and about feminine energy when it's the first time they're hearing about it is they feel like they have to give up their power. They have to get into the kitchen and cook and clean. And like it's this old fifties and rear the children. If they're in their feminine, they have to be submissive and passive and, and weak and all of these uh, preconceived ideas that are absolutely false. That's not at all what feminine energy is. That's an old archetype that's outdated and no longer applies to life today. As, as we all know, my mom is the, the owner and founder of our company. She was always a total rock star growing up. My sister's an entrepreneur, super powerful. So I'm used to watching really powerful women in my life. And both of these women are beautiful examples of how you can be strong and powerful and highly successful and feminine. Mm-hmm. At the same time, so femininity is not weak. It's not submissive. It's not um, powerless at any stretch of the imagination. What femininity is is extremely powerful. And there was a a really simple uh, example. One of my clients actually shared with me. I thought it was really great. And it's 
if masculine is the head, feminine is the heart. And in a relationship, you want to have one head and one heart. If you get two heads together, you're going to buck head or butt head, so to speak. So feminine, imagine, is, is receptive energy. It's intuitive energy. It's you're dropping from the mind into the body, into the heart. You're in tune with your emotions. You are in the present energy. Highly adept CEOs, business owners have learned how to be in touch and with their feminine energy, because that's the intuitive or the gut feeling that you have, your ability to make decisions quickly. Uh, Masculine energy, while feminine energy is present energy, you're in touch with your emotions, you're in your body. Masculine energy is future, future energy, where you're visioning the future, you're making plans, you're cognitive, you're up in your head. It's thinking energy, it's your thoughts. So, and it's, it's, it's protective energy as well. It's provider energy, the, the desire to provide and to protect. This is why single moms often have a tough time dating or because they're very much in their masculine mm. energy regarding mm-hmm. the children, providing and protecting for those children. And they're wearing both roles, masculine and feminine. So Notice, just for the listener right now, notice where you tend to ride around in your life. As you're living your life, you're out and about doing your daily thing. Where do you, where are you in your body? Do you tend to ride around in your head, kind of up in your forehead area and your visual cortex area? Do you ride around in your heart? Are you more in your heart space? Do you ride around kind of your center of being is more in your hips, your pelvis area? Where is your being and notice just as I said that, how you can change your focus. You can change from where your, your awareness is being focused. And that's one of the ways to begin to shift uh, your, the energy from which the energy you're radiating and your beingness in the world. So let's pause there because I'm sure you guys have. I would love to hear your, uh, what you would love to add about masculine and feminine energy. I mean, that's point. something that even like, It wasn't, I would say, until I released a relationship where I realized I wasn't fully even seeing my feminine because I wasn't listening to my intuition. I wasn't receiving myself. Mm. And if I can't, you know, for me, like if I felt like I had to be in the masculine all the time, I had to be doing more and ahead of things. And I didn't allow to even listen to myself. I didn't allow my other side to really shine through. And so I was always kind of lacking that without even knowing it until I released this relationship. And, and I felt this weight of freedom. And it was like, you know, this, this knowing this intuition that was finally like, Oh, I knew all along. And I could step into that and I can listen to myself. I can trust myself. And it was finally this place of being able to receive. And I don't think I was ever fully in it. And no matter how many personal development classes I took or how many, you know, (laughs) things that I listened to or, or tried fixing and doing, it was, I was still kind of in that mentality of, of go, go, go and do. And so it's so interesting even to like reflect on that and, you know, based on your examples and be able to see like where I wasn't even in. Exactly. And while masculine and feminine energy don't have anything to do with the genders like male or female, um, when I say they don't primarily have to do with the genders, you do see lots of men tend to gravitate towards their masculine and lots of women tend to gravitate towards their, their feminine um, depending on their upbringing, depending on the roles, they, the job and their career and their passion. But what's interesting is when you look at the female body, the female body is actually built to receive, like in, sexually built to receive. The male body is, is built to give. And so that's why you tend to see these energies show up. There was a um, woman I work with named Jennifer, who was a single mom, super smart, Stanford professor, and just had the toughest time with attracting someone into her life and and then sustaining this. So this isn't about, I just want to, this isn't about once you attract somebody, then you can completely throw masculine and feminine out the window. <laughs> when you're married, you're constantly developing. That's how you're building attraction and connection with one another is by allowing someone to really fully embody the energy that they want to embody. And so for Jennifer, 
we were talking about, well, how, what's one way that you can embody feminine energy? Well, it helps to know what the counterpoint energy is in a man. And so let's just, for purposes of simplicity, let's just say he wants to be in his masculine for this example. So for hundreds of thousands of years, men have been trained that to be enough, to be worthy, you must provide and protect. Mm. That your ability to provide and protect was the survival of not only yourself, but your family. The better you could provide, the better you could protect, the more chance you had for your family to thrive, for you to have children and them to have children and so on, and for the generations to thrive. So we are hardwired as men to want to provide a great experience to not only women, but to our employees or our kids. We want to provide that amazing experience in all ways, shapes, and forms. So one of the ways in which, and likewise, one of we talk about what ignites feminine energy and what ignites um, oxytocin, for example. And in women, one of the great hormones that really helps you feel ignited and alive and full of joy is oxytocin. Well, oxytocin gets triggered by a series of things. And again, there's all other hormones and neurotransmitters as well that go into this, but this makes it really user-friendly and simple. So just think oxytocin gets triggered by talking. Just talking triggers oxytocin. Men, we do not have the same. Our main feel-good chemical is dopamine. Mm. Dopamine does not get triggered by talking. There are studies done that show that women on average will talk 20,000 words a day. Men talk 7,000 words a day. So let's say you both go to work, you talk your 7,000 words, you come home, ladies, you have 13,000 words to go. (laughs) (laughs) It's a different, different ball game in literally our biochemistry, how we're wired up. So talking triggers oxytocin, having your skin stroked triggers oxytocin, collaborating with others, working well together versus competing triggers oxytocin uh, and contributing, contributing to the world around you, making the world a better place triggers oxytocin. For men, it's dopamine. Not the same as oxytocin. Men, it's danger triggers dopamine. So even driving is slightly dangerous. We go for a drive when we're stressed out. That will help us feel better. Um, Competition triggers dopamine. Efficiency triggers dopamine. So if we can do the same activity with less energy. Men love to figure out faster and better ways to do things. This is why we will take all the garbage out in one trip versus two trips. Uh, We'll stuff as many clothes into the washing machine as possible. One load versus two, (laughs) more efficient. We'll try to like get the dishwasher exactly right the way we want it to be as efficient as possible. The other thing, uh, uh, productivity or achieving goals and solving problems. Matt, if you've I'm ever like, had, for you listening, you've ever had a man in your life, you just want to share what's going on with your day and he tries to solve the problem. And you're like, I'm not, I'm not asking you to solve the problem. I just wanted to tell you what's going on for the day because talking triggers your oxytocin for him. Mm. It's not talking, it's solving the problem <laughs> that triggers his dopamine. And so just in the way we're trying to connect, there's, there are differences that can get in each other's way. Um, and so, so Jennifer was learning all this. And Jennifer was like, oh my gosh, I I see this. And so her desire is to contribute. Well, a man's greatest desire is to provide. How can you demonstrate through your action that you're willing to receive what he's trying to provide to Mm -hmm. you? Mm -hmm. Releasing control, specifically micro controls. Some people call it unsolicited advice. So Jennifer thought she was just being helpful. She would get all these first dates, wouldn't get second dates. And here's how the first date would go. She, they'd be driving to the movies and they're in the highway. And she was telling me this. She's like, Matt, I see myself doing this all the time. She was like, hey, the, the exit's coming up. You probably want to get over to the right. And he's like, okay, and it gets over to the right. And then they get in the parking lot. And she's like, hey, I saw a parking spot there in that other row. Why don't you whip around this car and go and park in that parking spot? And she's just thinking she's being helpful. but what a, the way the man takes that, he doesn't take it as contribution. He takes it as you don't trust him to actually provide for you the experience. Way more valuable is to let him give you the experience and then celebrate him for the great job being done. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, I love that movie. Thank you for taking me out. You did such an awesome job. This was a great date. Celebrate him. The impact of the reward that he gets 
when you just simply receive is tremendous. Now, I know what women are, are thinking after I say this kind of point, which is, so what? I can't ever give him advice or I can't ever like tell him a better way to do it. Sometimes I know the better way to do it. <laughs> and we know you do. We know that there's lots of things that you know how to do it better than we do. This isn't about that. This is, there's that great adage that says, how well is it working for you? Mm-hmm. Is it working for you? Is Because relationships are all about connection. How do we create connection? And so if it's really, so it wasn't working for Jen, she decided, you know what? I'm just going to really work on my receiving, allowing the man to provide the experience and to receive that. And once she did that, everything changed. She attracted this amazing guy named David, handsome, tall, fit, totally kind, generous man, wanted to just give to her. And she said, wow, it was like magic. When I started receiving from him, in greater ways and just celebrating. And I, and I, I had to really, I was like, what I was really having to focus on, take my, my grip off the controls. She was, I didn't realize how strong I was trying to control everything. But once I did, I was able to relax in ways I had never relaxed before in his presence. And there's nothing that communicates trust to a man. Now he has to earn this, by the way, this isn't just a guy on a first date or whatever. He has to really earn the right to have you relax in his presence. But a woman who's fully relaxed in his presence is one of the greatest demonstrations of him providing the environment and the experience that lights you up. It feels mm-hmm. so good for a man when a woman is just relaxed and receiving in his presence. And so it just, for Jennifer, it made a, a lifetime difference. Her and David are still together and having the relationship of wow. her life. That's amazing. That we were just almost bursting out laughing oh there when God. you were going through some of those points like um, danger, efficiency, optimization, fixing the dishwasher, <laughs> literally danger while driving. I was drifting the car last night because oh, there's a little bit of gosh. snow on the road in Minnesota. And I love that. <laughs> and it's you so much fun it. yeah, for me. Yeah, we're like, woo, this I, is great. And like white knuckled on the side. Or, you know, she's like, like wanting to yeah. cry. Jen's like hitting me in the arm, like stop, 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 stop. <laughs> and like, we have a dishwasher at our place in Minnesota right now that is in need of fixing. And I'm like, all right, I'll fix this up tomorrow. And so it's just, it's funny hearing you go through all those. And I really appreciate that we kind of covered these topics, um, especially the masculine femininity bit and kind of tumbled into how you can use that understanding to better navigate certain situations because you can help see something from a slightly different scope. And again, I really appreciate that you brought up not male, not female, because we live in a society that one to 2% of people possibly more define as some sort of transgender gender and upwards of 10% of people are not in a male female relationship. So I think that it's important to understand those dynamics play in any relationship. For sure. Absolutely. A hundred percent. And that it's, and that what we're, what we're really talking about too is beyond just romantic relationships. So as like my, my wife was talking about how one of these concepts really helped with her brother because she would constantly give her brother, she was wondering like, why are my brother, why is my brother and I butting heads and we're just like not getting along and when she learned this, she was like, oh my gosh, I'm constantly giving him unsolicited advice. Like there was a moment when she goes, she goes, just last week, he told me he was going on a new exercise plan. And I immediately launched into, well, you should be eating this. And then mm-hmm. here's some other exercises that you can do and you can do this. And he wasn't asking me for advice. What I should have done in that moment was just celebrate him. Be like, that's awesome. I think that's great. And just support him in that moment rather than giving the unsolicited advice. Kind of the rule of thumb is if, if you want to build connection, of course, you can always give the advice that you want. And it's never a hard and fast rule. I don't believe in rules. I like tools because rules, there's, there's nuances to everything, but a tool you know how to apply in the right moment. So you can ask yourself, is this a moment to celebrate or is this a moment to give advice? One of the guidelines is if he's on the right track and he's not going to hurt himself or anyone else, let him at it. Because then you have an opportunity to celebrate him and it works great. But for guys, if for the women in our lives, whether it's a romantic partnership or a mom or a sister or a daughter, while a man's greatest psychological need is to have his thoughts respected, a woman's greatest need is to have her feelings cherished and validated. And I forget this one all the time. Like when my first daughter was born, 
my wife, we, she was, she was, uh, she was like six months old. And so my wife's friends would constantly invite her out to say, Hey, come get some drinks with us. Come hang out. My wife was saying, no, 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 because we were just exhausted. We weren't getting any sleep. We were so tired. And so then one night we're brushing our teeth and my wife looks on Instagram and she sees all of her friends out to dinner, cheersing, having fun. And they didn't invite her mm-hmm. and she starts crying. And as a man in that moment, my immediate gut reaction, knee-jerk reaction was to fix it. Like, I have to stop her from crying. I need to make her feel better right now. And so I immediately went into logic mode. Like, well, honey, of course they're out by themselves. We haven't accepted one of the hundred invitations that they've sent over in the, in the last six months. Like, of course they're going to be out by themselves. Like, if you want to go, if you want them to continue to invite you, you've got to say yes to some things. Like, I'm, that was not what she wanted to hear. No. <laughs> <laughs> Bad husband move. For us to remember, because remember, guys, we feel dopamine. If we can fix it, if we can cause her to stop crying in that moment, we feel good. We're not realizing, oh, that's not what's going to make her feel good. What's going to make her feel good is validate the emotion, cherish the emotion, validate the experience. And so our first move, and it's counterintuitive if you've got the male biochemistry running through your system or that biochemistry, it's counterintuitive if you're triggered by dopamine, because the thing that you should do is what's called. And so here's, here's the catchphrase. I invite you to write this down, jump in the puddle, jump in the puddle with them. The way to actually transform someone's pain faster than any other way is to validate the experience. You don't have to wallow in it with them. You don't have to exacerbate it. You don't have to have a poor me pity party. That's not what I'm talking about. But just honoring someone's experience, saying things like, wow, that really sucks. Or wow, that's, that's, gotta, that's really hard. I'm really sorry to hear that you're feeling this way or that you're going through that. Man, that's hard. That's horrible. Whatever that is, like just validate the experience and listen. And wildly enough, that transforms the experience way faster. And so this is one that, and so for guys, let's say uh, your sister, wife, girlfriend, daughter, whoever wants to share with you after the day. And she's sharing about a really stressful day, this problem that's going on. And she's like frustrated about it. Our move in that moment is not to fix it where we will jump into solve it mode. We want to be the hero. We want to solve it. Our move in that moment, if you're looking to connect, is to simply listen, validate the experience. And then you can ask, (laughs) I will do this all the time. Honey, is this a moment where you want me just to listen and be with you? Or are you looking for solutions here? Like, I, I don't know. I don't know what she wants. And she will say, no, I just want you to hear me. And then I know the role. I know how to serve her in that moment. Because for men, very important that we know what the mission is. You give us a goal. You give us a mission. We know what that is. And we will do that for you. So ladies, you can actually, you can actually support the men in your life by telling them, hey, I don't want any solutions to this. Really what I'm looking for is you just hear me and be with me in this moment. Yeah. And then we will do, you will be amazed at how your man will rise to the occasion in those moments. Give them marching orders. <laughs> I mean, so many of what, you, what you're saying, it's like I can think of examples of like, oh yeah, and then this. And that's honestly one of the things that attracted me initially to Dom in the first place too, because I was still healing through a lot and going through my own stuff and you know, to have someone that wasn't trying to fix it, but just allowing me to process and allowing me space and allowing me to have my own stuff, you know, that was the most incredible experience I think I've ever had within a relationship. And the way that he showed up by just holding space, by just listening, you know, it was like, one of the times that I just continue to always remember is when I was kind of like in a mood and, and something triggered me and he could sense that something triggered me, but instead of asking about it and like, he just turned his phone on a song and, and gently grabbed me and started dancing with me. And I started crying and he, and I was just like, I'm sorry, I'm feeling triggered. And he's like, I know just in your own time, like I'm here. And that was just like, oh my gosh, like you're not asking me exactly what happened or what you did or anything. Like it was just, you know, he allowed me to have my own experience. And that was something that was just so incredibly huge. And even like the letting go and like, there's so many things that I am 
myself resonating with so much here, Matt. Beautiful. Dom, how did you learn that, my friend? That's amazing. Well, that's a that's an example from a while ago. So I, I think I need to do something good um, <laughs> more recently so I have more examples for her to draw from. Um, I, you know, I was very lucky with uh, parents who taught me how to feel my emotions. One uh, taught me that it was fair to share things and I had parents who sat there and did that for me. Um, and, you know, I also was going through a lot of my own growth and I was also going through a lot of my own stuff and had in the past few years. And uh, kind of one of the things you said early on resonated with me a lot that I was the most self-critical of myself ever out of anything. And I was in some mindsets that I never, ever thought I was going to fix. And you know, once I started addressing those, I realized that it wasn't up to me to fix the things in other people. And um, again, like you said, sometimes that can cause more of a rift than anything. And I knew that I wasn't going to take what happened away. I wasn't going to take that experience away. And I also wasn't going to change the way she felt about it in a day because we had talked about a lot of that stuff. And luckily, early in Jen and my relationship, we were very honest about everything up yeah. front and shared about everything as we felt we were ready for it. And so I knew that I didn't need to force anything out of her. Well, that's, that is brilliant. That's brilliant, my man. Cause it's so counterintuitive uh, to most men on how to do that. And again, so there was a moment when, and, and I just want to stress this because it's easiest to talk about romantic relationships, but that's not just what we're talking about. There was yeah. a moment when you know, my mom and we work together. She's the owner of the company and, and I'm the co-founder of, of two of our divisions, the Love and Relationship Division of Brave Thinking Institute and our, and our coach training division. And it was after an event and, and she was feeling stress and feeling pressure on certain things and she was just needing to vent. And I instantly got it. Like in that moment, as I've been doing this work for so long, I knew that how can I show up? How can I serve her in this moment? And it was not to try to, because it was a business thing and I'm her business partner. And so there was a part of me that thought, well, we should just solve this. And the other part that knew that, no, this is the moment that I just need to let her vent. And I just need to let her share what she's sharing, share how she's feeling and just hold a safe space for that. And that's exactly what was required. And, and then she just transformed the emotion and she knew exactly. I mean, at the end of the day, she did know how to solve it and she knew how to move forward, but it wasn't about that. It was about transforming the emotion, transforming the energy, because that's where we will often get stuck is, is in that. And so it's a great practice on a daily basis. If there's someone you care about in your life, ask them this question. My mentor taught me this and it's been... I'm good at this. I'll go through stretches where I'm really good and then I'll fall off and forget about it for a while. But uh, I've brought it back recently and it's so powerful to ask the question, is there anything I could do or say that would make you feel more loved today? Mm. Is there anything I could do or say? And I invite you to take that on as a seven day challenge. Like just do that for seven days. Super easy. Sometimes the answer will be no. Sometimes the answer will be take out the trash. Sometimes the answer will be just well, my wife the other night said, yeah you know what? I just need a hug. Mm. You know, I just gave her a hug. You never know what the answer is, but you don't know until you ask. Is there anything I could say or do that would make you feel more loved today? I think that's so beautiful. And that's something, you know, Dom and I are consciously always, maybe not every day and probably not enough, but we do kind of goal setting for each other, like as a couple and then ourselves personally every single month. And now we just recently started writing them out on a, on a, on kind of like a whiteboard that we can see every day so that it's not just something you're writing down and then forgetting about throughout the whole month, but you yeah. actually get to see, <laughs> oh, am I showing up? Am I doing the things that, you know, we committed to together and in, in order for him to feel loved, me to feel loved and in those different ways to actually connect. Yeah. Even if it's setting our forehead and nose together and taking five breaths together a day, like you don't realize how powerful something like that can be until you do it daily for a month or a week. Like you said, just to ask somebody you care about, is there anything I can do or say to make you feel loved today? That's absolutely incredible. Yeah. And those, those little practices, I love the two examples that you guys gave little practices on how to connect. It's like small hinges swing very big doors mm. in relationships. And, um, and so there's a, there's a couple of, of relationship practices, communication practices that have been game changers for me. 
and I know lots of other people that we've been able to teach this to, one of them is called the do-over. And what's funny is in when we're kids and we're playing two square or four square and like someone runs through the court or something you don't want, you didn't intend to be there, you'll call the game and you'll be like, like car comes, you're like, do-over. <laughs> you know, do you guys ever do that as kids? You oh, call yeah. it do-over, right? Maybe not. No, for sure we no, did. Absolutely, absolutely. I still do it yeah, we whenever did. we're playing cards. <laughs> we still do it, play cards, yeah. So in relationships, you can call it do-over. And what this is, is when you, re- you own the fact that you responded in a way that wasn't your best, which happens to all of us. You know, we're in the moment, we get triggered or we get defensive or we get angry or whatever the case is. We might lash out or we might respond in a way that's not the best. You can literally... You can create a culture in your family, in your relationship, where it's okay to call for a do-over. Mm. And so I'll just give you an example. The, uh, the other weekend, my wife had been telling me for months that we're going to go have this barbecue um, baby shower with her friends. This is actually before COVID. So we're all getting together for this barbecue. She was really excited about it. And I had forgotten about it. And I had this big project due on Monday, I was like preparing for this big launch we had going on. I was really looking forward to work on Saturday. And so I'm up early and I'm working away on Saturday. And she comes in, she's like, babe, we're supposed to leave in an hour for the baby shower. And my response was, are you kidding me? Oh, really? And immediately I knew that was the wrong response by the look on her face. (laughs) She was pissed. And um, no, I knew that was the wrong response anyway. And I paused myself. Because truth was, I was feeling stressed. I was feeling behind on that launch. And I, and I really wanted to get that work in. And so I said, babe, I'm sorry. Before she even spoke, I was like, pause. I'm sorry. That was not my best. Can I get a do-over right now? And she was like, you better take a do-over. Right now. <laughs> <laughs> and I, was like, I was like, truth is, babe, I want to go with you. And I want to spend time with your family. And I know this means a lot with you and I'm really behind on this project. Could you support me tonight with the kids so that I can get some of this work done tonight when we get home from this baby shower? And she was like, absolutely. And so what would have potentially been like arguments and negative energy all the way to the baby shower was we were able to squash it in three minutes because we have established that you can have a do-over. And we give you a do-over means fresh energy. Let's start fresh right here, right now. So I love that. And, and anyone who wants to use that, feel free to take that, use that, put it to use in your relationship. I love that. I think that's so good because sometimes too, when we're thinking of, you know, bettering relationships, again, any type of relationship, it's always this, this mentality or what you might see on social media is like, you have to be perfect all the time. And the reality is we're human. And exactly like you said, we're going to be triggered. There's going to be different things. We're going to have moods, you know? And I think what that does is it provides the space for people to be human (laughs) and still be able to shift and grow within whatever type of relationship they're in. So I absolutely love that. I stole the words right out of my mouth because I I just feel like sometimes walking around the relationship, you need to do it right the first time every time. And it gives you a little bit of that license to say that wasn't my best and I'm sorry, can I try again? Um, And I think that kind of when you were talking at the beginning about where you were at in your situation of, of that self-critique, I kind of want to direct to the person who may be at home feeling like they're having those, you know, flash in a pan relationships, or we're talking about romantic relationships, or they are in kind of that cycle. Would you have any like recommendations on what can someone start to do to just uncover some of these things themselves? I mean, I know that We've gone through a lot of examples already, but is there a first place someone can start to just start to explore what it might be within themselves? Yes, absolutely. There's a really powerful practice that served me really well. And so here's the, here's the formula. The first step is to notice what you're noticing. It's called metacognition where you can remove, you can lift your awareness out of your body and out of your mind and, and kind of watch yourself. And so the moment you notice that you're in a really self-critical um, thought. You, could, you can notice what you're thinking about. And the moment you notice that you're in a self-critical thought or you're in a limiting thought or the thought that the most common one that comes up for us is I'm not enough. 
And it's actually the most common because as babies, we spend more time being vulnerable as babies than any other species on the planet. And we know we have to have mom and dad's love to survive. So if I'm not enough as a baby, I'm going to die. If they don't love me, I'm going to die. And so that becomes imprinted in our beingness from a very early age, which is why that paradigm tends to rise up the most. If it says, I'm not enough, it either uh, angles itself as, I'm not good enough, I'm not smart enough, I don't have the right team, so my team isn't enough, or I don't have the experience, or I'm not funny enough, or whatever the I'm not enough is. The root of it is the fear that we won't be loved, and if we're not loved, we're going to die. So the moment you begin to notice the I'm not enough or I'm unworthy or I am this, the moment you notice that, pause. You have an internal pause button. You can interrupt that thought. And the next move is to sequester it to part of you. We will unknowingly give all of our power over to a negative belief when we say I am afraid or I am unworthy or I am not enough. The truth of the matter is, part of you feels afraid. Part of you feels unworthy. Part of you feels not enough. But there's a whole other part of you that does feel empowered, does feel worthy, does feel enough. And so what that's called sequestering the paradigm, the paradigm or limiting belief. So you, you take that idea and you say, I'm not enough. You notice, wow, I'm really thinking like this isn't going to work out or that it'll, I'll never find love or I'll never heal this relationship. Bring that down to part of you and say, you know what? Part of me feels like I won't heal this relationship or I won't find love. And in that moment, locate where that part of you lives in your body. Drop down into your body and you'll locate the feeling somewhere. It will live somewhere. Um, one of my clients the other night was feeling, she got rejected by this guy and she was just feeling so downtrodden and just disheartened. And so the feeling for her was around her throat. Actually, what had happened was she got catfished. This guy mm. pouring all kinds of love and energy into her only to try to get money out of her. Mm. And she was able to fish it out pretty quickly, but it just felt so wrong for her. Like she felt like she'd been betrayed. And so she'd felt this energy around her throat. And so notice where in your body it feels. And then consciously wrap it in love and acceptance. Love is larger than any feeling that we have is larger than any negative belief, any negative or constricted feeling. So consciously surround it in love and appreciation. And just the way to transform that energy is actually to love it. And I know that might sound strange or counterintuitive, but it's brilliant and amazing how it works. And so hold it in this love and acceptance. You'll feel it begin to relax and then move your awareness to the part of you that feels empowered. So this, this client the other night, I said, there's another part of you that while you're feeling scared to ever get back out there because someone might try to catfish you, there's another part of you that believes that love is still possible because you wouldn't even have been able to get on the session without that belief. If 100% of you didn't believe in it, you would have just give up, right? Yeah. So connect to the other part of you that believes in the possibility for your greatness, believes in the possibility of the dream you hold in your heart. And notice where that energy lives in your body. And it even helps to give it a color and make that color vibrant and bright and alive. And then as you tune into that energy in your body and feel it expand in you and feel it grow in you and feel it intensify in that area, invite it to wrap around the energy of the paradigm or the limiting belief and see it and feel it completely envelop and absorb and transform that negative energy into the positive belief that I am enough. Mm. You do have what it takes. You are successful. You have everything required right now to have what it is that you want. And you feel that. And then you allow that energy to fill your entire body. And you will feel the energy transform. You might even be able to feel some of this vibration now, just as we're speaking this in your own body. And you'll feel it intensify. And the woman the other night said, I said, so how do you feel? What's the energy like? Because she, she basically took the energy of empowerment and wrapped it around her throat, dissolved the negative constrictive black energy that was, she felt like was choking her. And she goes, I'm, I'm able to breathe. She goes, I haven't taken a deep breath for two days. She goes, that is, that is amazing. And so that's one technique or tool that you can use when you notice that you're in a funk or a bad state or a limiting belief. 
is first to notice what you're noticing, sequester the paradigm, wrap it in love, connect to your power, and absorb that energy, negative energy with love and the empowerment energy, and you will shift that energy. That is absolutely incredible and such a great demonstration that people, I think, can really, you know, just come back to also whenever they need to listen back to the end of this podcast and just continue to go through that exercise because it will come up again. And continuing the practice, it's just like the practice for everything that we do. It takes practice, it takes time, it takes doing it over and over. And so using the visualization tool, exactly how you described it, Matt, that is so absolutely incredible. And I know that you have just so much more (laughs) that people can, you know, take in and really learn from you. So where can people get this? Where can people learn from you and continue on? Well, we have um, an amazing institute called the Brave Thinking Institute. And so they can go to bti.com, bti.com. And, and we've got programs in, in all kinds of domains of life, whether it's just uh, you want to improve your life overall, or you want to attract a relationship or improve a relationship, or you want to improve your health. Um, or you want to grow your business, we have different divisions of the Brave Thinking Institute that takes these types of tools and principles and focuses it on that, those domains of your, of your life. And so, and there's lots of free gifts and goodies there uh, as well. So um, you can go there and whatever area you're focused on, you can download tools that support you in that area. That's amazing. Thank you so much for all the tools you shared. I would definitely encourage people if they resonated with anything to head to bti.com and start looking in, start digging a little bit. I know that it'll help give you the tools to kind of put you or aim you in down a right path. Thanks so much for your time being with us, Matt. This has been super enlightening. Dom and Jen, thanks for having me. You guys are great. And there we have it, yet another amazing guest on the Optimal Body Podcast. So now what we ask of you, if you loved any bit of that or resonated with it, go share it out, share it with a friend, share it on your social media, because you know there are more people out there that would resonate with it just the same. Also, subscribe, rate, review on your favorite podcast app so we know what you want to learn or other guests that you think we should bring on for you in the future. Keep tuning in to find your optimal body.